Hebrews Bible Study, Part 25 Abraham and the Beginning of Clarification For lay leaders and deacons to conduct after the Sunday service or during a midweek Bible study session. Hear the word of our Lord from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 19. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. In Hebrews 11, verses 4 through 7, the author spoke of the works done by faith of antediluvian saints. Abel, Enoch, and Noah are highlighted as model believers. Abel was the first to put his faith in a God that he had never seen, who should be obeyed from the heart. Enoch lived by faith, eternally. Noah listened to and followed after the word of God. One could make the case that we are standing on the shoulders of giants, so to speak, on account of the faith and faithfulness of these three. They lived in an era without the common blessings that we in the church have today. The complete canon of scripture, regular divine services, congregations, mass acceptance of Christianity, and so forth, yet they stayed faithful. For today's passage, he moves on to a close focus on Abraham, the father of all believers. It might seem surprising that the author spends only four verses discussing antediluvian saints while taking twelve verses to discuss Abraham and his wife. But in light of the context of the book of Hebrews itself, a focus on Abraham is appropriate. The author is writing to a congregation of Hebrew Christians who are being tempted to return to Judaism. 
Naturally, he wants to counter the claims that have been brought to the congregation. The prevailing opinion of Judaism at this time was one which elevated Abraham to a position of extreme prominence, to justify centrism over the people and to ground religious claims. They held to an argument which might be summarized as ours is the correct religion and we are the chosen people because we hail from Abraham's loins. The same group that told Christ we are the offspring of Abraham and Abraham is our father, John 8 verses 33 and 39, they had a habit of appealing to this heritage frequently leading to other New Testament personages to address them directly. John the Baptist addresses their argument with divine power. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Matthew 3 verse 9. St. Paul counters their argument by bringing up justification by faith claiming that one is a child of Abraham through faith in Christ, inheriting God's promises by fiducia, not the flesh. Romans 4 verse 16 and Romans 9 verses 6 through 9. It is natural for the author of Hebrews, then, to focus on the patriarch in his meditation on faith itself. Note that this does not mean Abraham is of less consequence regarding the topic of faith, but it does contextualize his focus. It appears that the author of Hebrews is familiar with St. Paul's argument regarding faith and has decided to expand upon it in his meditation on Abraham. Like St. Paul and St. James, he connects Abraham's life and his faith. Curiously, unlike St. Paul and St. James, he does not cite Genesis 15 verse 6, which says, He believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Why this distinction? While all three bring up Abraham in relation to the Christian faith, they do so for different reasons. St. Paul discusses Abraham's faith in terms of salvation and inheritance, the patriarch was justified by faith alone. St. James discusses Abraham's works as a believer. The patriarch was vindicated by his faith and his works. The author of Hebrews hones in on Abraham's specific acts, done all by faith, to harmonize these by describing the works which come from faith. Recall that faith for the author of Hebrews has an active component which comes out of the passive part. The faith which God blesses us with will be exercised during our walk with God. The inclusion of Sarah in the monologue about Abraham is natural. Abraham and Sarah are one in terms of the life that they knitted together in matrimony. Both shared the same faith. Both went on the same journeys, and Sarah was involved with almost all of Abraham's accomplishments as well. In a word, mention of Abraham merits mention of Sarah in most cases. However, as we will demonstrate, the author of Hebrews takes the Hall of Faith section 
as an opportunity to correct the record about many of the Old Testament saints. Those whom we would disparage based on their failings, the author holds up as good examples. Sarah serves as the first of these counterintuitive examples. The author gives her high praise that we would not expect given her immediate actions. In the process, the author provides much-needed clarifications about the Old Testament saints and their motivations. Now, these, following this, are the particular works which exemplify the active life of faith in the patriarch Abraham and his wife Sarah. Provided with each is some commentary which may help those listening in. Also, there are reference passages from the book of Genesis that can be found on the PDF version of this study at verylutheran.biz. The first section is the departure, Hebrews 11 verses 8 through 10. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. The reference is Genesis 12, verses 1 through 4. As Abram, the patriarch received the call from God to go into the promised land. Hebrews 11.13 will show he did not receive the land as his own possession in his lifetime. But when called by God, he responded with faith, verse 8, and obedience flowing from it. Interestingly, the author gives us Abraham's true motivation in the pericope, that of an ultimate home. While God promised him land, and he dutifully obeyed the command to depart, Abraham saw the Lord with something of a similar attitude to St. Peter's words to Christ. You have the words of eternal life. John 6, verse 68. So while on the face of Genesis 12, verses 1 through 4, it may appear that Abram was merely following the promise of earthly benefit, the author of Hebrews, writing under the inspiration from the Holy Spirit, speaks of a holy drive to receive the promise of heaven. The next section is the conception, Hebrews 11, verses 11 and 12. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. The references are Genesis 17, verses 15 through 21, and Genesis 18, verses 9 through 15. The text of Genesis 18 suggests that Sarah lacked faith when she laughed at God's promise. This is apparently not the case, or perhaps maybe she was brought to faith very quickly after her humorous reaction. This is the first major instance of the clarification which the author provides concerning various Old Testament saints. 
We read the text and are tempted to say, My, how shameful for Sarah to laugh at these words that she will bear a son. The author of Hebrews reads the passage and sees Sarah's faith. Perhaps she chuckled at the absurdity of what she believed will happen to her, or her doubt is washed away by God confronting her. Regardless, she is counted faithful here, and as faith receives all special graces from our Lord, so too did her faith receive power to conceive from the Almighty. Now for the next section, the central message regarding Abraham, Hebrews 11, verses 13 to 16. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Being no stranger to chiastic structures, it appears that verses 13 to 16 are the chiastic center of the brief meditation on Abraham. It may be seen as a parenthetical or an aside if chiasm was not the intention, but it rightly underlines a deeper sense of faith. Starting from the 8th verse up to this point, the author has mentioned Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Sarah. Not one of these took full possession of Canaan. When the 13th verse says they died without receiving the things promised, the author likely means the Messiah and the land. As the patriarchs indeed did receive some blessings which were foretold, Isaac was the promised child whom Abraham did receive, twice as the author will state. Abraham and Jacob got a taste of the many offspring promised with Abraham's multiple offspring with Keturah and Jacob's twelve sons. But the promise of a specific seed of Abraham, the Christ, was not seen face to face by the patriarchs, nor anyone else in their family, for approximately 2100 years. Abraham lived between 2167 and 1992 BC. And regarding the land, the exodus occurred in 1446 BC, and the entrance to Canaan was between 1406 and 1404 BC. While the text of Hebrews 11 does not mention Christ as one of these promises, the reference to the binding of Isaac connects this passage to that promise, which is contained in Genesis 22, verses 17 through 18. So the patriarchs did not lay eyes on the seed who had previously been promised to Adam and Eve in the Proto-Evangelium of Genesis 3.15. And it is clear from the text that neither Isaac nor Jacob fulfilled that promise. This also applies to the land as the children of Israel would not enter into the promised land for another 500 years or so after Abraham's death. 
Even so, the glory of the patriarchs, according to the author of Hebrews, is that this did not bother them in the slightest. Their eyes were on a different prize, as they held themselves to be sojourners, not in the sense of their Bedouin profession, but in the sense that they were sojourners or exiles on earth, awaiting a perfect home which our Lord prepared for them. This sentiment, which is echoed from John 14, verses 2 and 3, speaks to the ultimate desire of every believer which our Lord fulfills, eternal life and eternal blessedness in the presence of God, which necessitates an eternal place in which we enjoy this promised state. With these few verses, the author confirms that the patriarchs held to the gospel based on the promises of God, by which they were justified by our Lord and granted eternal life. We are called to do likewise with the gospel today, whether we see earthly blessings or not. And now, the final section being the sacrifice is Hebrews 11 verses 17 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. The Old Testament references here being Genesis 22 verses 1 through 8 and verses 15 through 19. The binding of Isaac somewhat climactically demonstrates Abraham's faith in God, his obedience to God's commands, and also his unshaken belief that God has the power to raise people from the dead. Now this last point is added by the author of Hebrews and is not found elsewhere in Scripture. We must not forget that the author speaks as inspired by the Holy Spirit, he has the revelation that these were Abraham's motivations. Yet it is not unreasonable to assume, even without Hebrews 11 verse 19, that Abraham knew about God's power over life and death. Abraham is a descendant of Enoch and Noah, both of whom witnessed God's power to either preserve someone from dying in the first place, or to kill all life on the planet, save a single family and a ship full of animals. He personally saw God's miraculous works in Egypt when he plagued Pharaoh, Genesis 12, verses 17 through 20, and the smoke of Sodom and Gomorrah's destruction, Genesis 19, verses 27 and 28. For someone who had obeyed God's command to leave his homeland for a promised land, it would have been the height of foolishness for Abraham to not trust that God could bring Isaac back from the dead. In other words, the patriarch participates in and believes the gospel. With Hebrews 11 verse 19, the author also puts his stamp of approval on a typological reading of the binding of Isaac. Isaac was received back from the dead, though he did not die physically, in a way which presages the promise of the gospel. A sacrifice is provided in place of the one who was to die according to the command of God. 
This is a one-for-one -one parallel with the gospel as Christ willingly died on our behalf so that all believers may rise again, and truly, not figuratively. Another angle which ought to be mentioned and is applicable is that the author speaks of Abraham's monogene, or unique son, often translated as only begotten, a conscious reference to Christ, the only begotten of the Father. Next week, we will move on to the other saints that the author of Hebrews has in mind, bringing up to pad out his argument and add yet more names to it. It is not an exhaustive list, but we will see more of his highlight reel, as it were. But until then, our Lord bless you and keep you. Amen and Amen.